Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We have a subject today that is really, really important. Everyone needs to know about this. This is one of hell's best kept secrets. We're so glad you've joined us today. We want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to go out to our website, globaloutpouring.org, and have a look at what's available out there. And if you want to give us some feedback, we have an email address, feedback at globaloutpouring.org. So we'd love to hear from you. It would be so great if you would let us know if this is being a blessing to you. And today, we're going to talk about one of hell's best-kept secrets, The subject is so, so important, and I've been preaching about it for years because God has given me a unique perspective on it from my own experience. So let's start out with uh, looking at Matthew chapter 6. In my generation, nearly everyone knew, and I'm not sure that it's so true now, but nearly everyone could recite the Lord's Prayer. It It was recited in school up until about 1963, I think it was, and actually my kindergarten teacher ignored what had been passed by the by by the Supreme Court to say that it was not right for children to have to pray in school or for, for teachers to lead prayer in school. She didn't tell us, and we were just kindergartners, so we just learned the Lord's Prayer, but I already knew it from home. My daddy had taught it to us, and we said it a little bit differently than the teacher taught us, but it's right here in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll just read the familiar version from the King James, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, when I got to kindergarten, I learned there was another version. Uh, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. To look into this a little deeper, if you look at what the words mean in the original Greek, Forgive us our debts or trespasses. It's an offense. It's a trespass that makes reparation obligatory. In other words, you've done something that you've got to do something to undo it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the next line is, as we forgive our debtors or those who trespass against us. And you could say it offenders. Mm -hmm. And a trespasser is one who is obliged to make reparation obligatory. Or suffer punishment. Wow, okay. So, you know, there's there's something pretty serious. There's been a serious thing that's happened. So let's go on. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We always said it just kind of by rote mm-hmm. and didn't really think about it. And when you think about forgive us our trespasses, that means you don't trespass where it says don't trespass. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's what we would think as a kid anyway. Yeah. No trespassing. No trespassing. I've I've walked across somebody's yard that said no trespassing, and I'm asking to be forgiven for that. But (laughs) but it's bigger than that. (laughs) Way bigger than that. And we've lived our lives reciting that and not really thinking about it. 
But if you go on and read it in context, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's not all by itself in the Bible. It is an important part of what Jesus was teaching everyone on the mountain. But the next two verses are rarely, rarely ever preached about. And this is one of hell's best kept secrets. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Verse 15, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if you're standing at the judgment and you haven't forgiven, guess what? You don't get to come in. Wow. It's really scary. So how does that read in the Passion Translation, Philip? Verses 14 and 15. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. Oh. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Very clear. How come isn't that taught as one of the basics of the kingdom of God? It should be. Yeah. But it's one of hell's best kept secrets. It's, look at it this way. I'm going to call him the forever loser because that's what the Holy Spirit says to, to Tim Sheets. The last few years, several years now, whenever the Holy Spirit is referring to the devil, he calls him the forever loser because that's really what he is. Uh -huh. uh, it, ultimately, he is the biggest loser of all. But he's been busy trying, knowing that he's a loser. He's been trying to take as many people with him into his sufferings that come in the future as he possibly can mm -hmm. and cause people to suffer in the meantime because he hates people because people are made in the image of God and he hates God. He was trying to be the replacement of God. Well, that can't happen. Impossible. And he's been trying to seduce and lie and cheat and steal and kill and destroy and all of those things to destroy God's creation. And that's pretty obvious with what's happening today worldwide. Yeah. You it's know. just, it's like... Utter chaos. Yeah, utter chaos. Uh -huh. But but it's because he's on his way out. He's almost to the point where he's lost. And he's trying everything that he can to take everything down with him that he possibly can. So first of all, he's trying to keep people from ever finding Jesus because Jesus is the way to get to heaven. Jesus is the way to get us restored mm -hmm. to what God intended in the first place with Adam and Eve, walking in the garden together, talking together, loving one another, being together in heart, soul, and spirit. That's God's intent. And so the devil's been trying to keep people from getting to that place. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to keep them out of heaven as much as possible. But if someone gets saved, then he's just trying to do damage control. Because ultimately, God sent each one of us here to this planet to do something for the kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom, to help to bring his kingdom in. Mm -hmm. And anything that the devil can do to thwart us, to keep us from fulfilling what God has for us. He's going to do he's it. He's going to do it with gusto. Working overtime. Working overtime. Especially if you have a calling on your life and giftings and, and things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Yeah, and everybody really does. Yeah. Everybody does to some degree or another. Thank you for... <laughs> every, every single person on the planet is here for a purpose. purpose. Yes, uh-huh. 
And it has to do with loving God. It has Mm. to do with God loving us. It has to do with God sending us. And sometimes people think that other people are better because they've been born with better circumstances. But the bottom line is, the more you overcome, Mm -hmm. the greater the glory is going to be. So if you have come into this world in kind of a a lowly place, well, Jesus was born in a barn, come on, Mm -hmm. a stable. It was probably just a cave and laid in a manger. You know, that's pretty low. Yeah. (laughs) But he's the son of God. So whatever, whatever things look like in your surroundings, they may not look pretty. But God has a purpose and a plan to bring you into a place of glory and bring his glory into that place. Once you get to the realization that you're on a pilgrimage, you're just a pilgrim on this planet. Yes. I mean, you're so caught up, you know, in the everyday today rhythm and patterns and, you know, scheduling and all that, Mm -hmm. that we forget, you know, a day of the Lord is is a thousand years. Right. A thousand years is, is a day. And so here we are, you know, how many years will we live? You know, if the Lord says, by grace, you get you know, three score and 10 years, 70 years, and, and by grace, 80 years, mm-hmm. you know, you've done well. But that's only a breath of mm-hmm. vapor right. in the eyes of God. Yeah, compared to eternity. Compared to eternity. But we don't see eternity because we're so caught in the here and now. Right. We're so wrapped up. We get wrapped up in our life. And, you know, you you start out, you get through high school. Da, mm-hmm. da, da, thank God we're out of high school. You know, if you got college, get married, you have children, you grow up. And pretty soon you're getting older. And it's not until you get about maybe 50 or 60 years old, you start realizing, I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. You know, what have I done yeah. for the Lord? What right. am I doing? And, and many people, even in their older age, are... They feel like they've missed God because of all the busyness they've done and they, they didn't hear his voice and do what mm-hmm. he wanted to do. And they're just, well, just, you know, going to missions, whatever they can, kind of like trying to make up lost time. Mm-hmm. You can't really make up lost time, but you just have to obey God. But sometimes in realization of where you are and how much time you may think you only may have left, it changes your perspective and focus on things. Mm-hmm. It's you true. Know. It's true. And the the thing that you also need to understand, if a thousand years are as a day, you can accomplish in one day by overcoming in that one day, you can accomplish something that has the value of a thousand years in eternity. Wow. That's amazing. Every time you overcome, every little thing that you overcome, every decision that you make in your heart, like even if it's just to say, no, I'm not going to eat that chocolate cake. Mm Mm-hmm. And every every little decision to, that helps you grow in God yeah. is an accomplishment that is putting down the forever loser. You know, and we have been so blessed and fortunate, you know, all these years of ministry. You know, we have met hundreds of people that have, uh, they've had visitations of heaven, mm-hmm. that have had visitations of God, and many were dead on the slab. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they were resurrected. I mean, God... God can do all these things. You just don't hear about them in your papers every day. Right. But when you lock into on earth as it is in heaven, if that plan for that person is not fulfilled, right. God sends them back. And many, you know, we know that they, they're so close to God, they they just have visitations. And, mm-hmm. and we know... It's diff- walking with him walking all with the time. Him. And we know many that were, that were taken, you know, they saw into hell. Mm-hmm. 
You know, they were there with Jesus. He took them in, and some that died, you know, as sinners. Mm-hmm. You know, but they had people praying for them, and even seeing people and and would ask, "Why was this one here? Why is that one there?" And they would recognize well-known people, mm-hmm. speakers, evangelists, you know, Christians. Mm-hmm. What are they doing here? And the Lord many times would say, they did not forgive. Yes. And that was just a shock to me. when Because I've heard that numerous times. It wasn't mm-hmm. just one person's right. uh, perspective. Yeah. You know, and there's others that have books out there on that. So that's an important the thing. But it's, it's a matter of the heart. Because yes. if you harbor unforgiveness in you, you know, you're harboring sin. It's the truth. Absolutely. Uh, I remember hearing the testimony of a woman that was in a praise and worship service. And all of a sudden, she found herself in hell. And the experience was such that she felt the complete hopelessness of, I'm here for eternity. And a lot of people that, that have had visits to hell have experienced that hopelessness. And I think it's part of what God wants you to get, that this is an eternal thing. This is eternal punishment. And, and when they come back, they are totally changed. Oh, yeah. Kind of like Dean Braxton. We have four podcasts with him. And when he was in heaven, when he came back, because he was clinically dead, when he came out of his anesthesia, he says, we got to get people saved. He had such a drive. Mm-hmm. Because he saw the other side of eternity. Right. But he only saw the heaven side. He saw the heaven side. He didn't didn't even see the hell side. The people who see the hell side are devastated by it. So when this lady was in hell, she said, I became my sin. Hmm. I became my sin. The sin that was the cause of her being there was so consuming that she became it in hell. And the sin was unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And Philip, the people that you've been talking about, that we've heard over and over of people visiting hell and they see people in their little individual pits, many of them declaring themselves to be Bible-thumping preachers, but they didn't forgive. I remember one incident that um, Mary Catherine Baxter talks about, how she saw this woman who was, I think she was the wife of a pastor or wife of an evangelist and her husband had done something that he shouldn't have done and I don't think it was even expressed what that was but she could not forgive him and that's Mm. why she was there she could not forgive her husband you know people do things because they've been tempted by the forever loser Mm -hmm. they've been tempted into those things they've been prodded they've been pushed they've been tormented into doing bad things the bad things happen because of how depraved our society has become because of how depraved people have become because they've been torn and viciously treated by the forever loser. You know, generation after generation, broken children grow up to be broken men and women who break their children, who grew up to be broken men and women who break their children, who grew up to be broken men and women who break their children. And it just gets worse and worse as the generations pass, as the time goes by. Yeah. I want to share... Yeah, I was married once before when I was 19. I was backslidden at the time. It was a marriage that had lasted four years. I ended it early because I found out there was another person involved. And so anyway, I got a phone call that her car was was broken down on an interstate system and right outside a toll booth. So I went with her brother. I was friends, very good friends with the family. We did a lot of things together. And I thought, okay, let's go get, let's see if we can fix it. 
And it's like instantly I knew what to get. Get a distributor cap and a rotor. I just knew it because hmm. there had been a lot of rain and stuff and all that. And this is back when cars didn't have electronic ignition and all that, you know. <laughs> and I popped the, the cap off to little clips. I looked, and here's all these cracks underneath it, shorting out the points where all your spark plug wires go into your cap. So I put a new rotor and a new cap on. car started just fine, and we drove it to wherever I drove it to. And, you know, it saved her a tow, you know, and all this, all the heartache and all that stuff. And... I remember once in the bowling alley, because, you know, we still bowled in the same bowling alley, even on the same league together. We're finishing out the <laughs> oh, year, no. you, know, you know. and With your ex. Yeah, and bowling with my ex, you know, in this mixed league. You know, it was very awkward. And, and I was just getting out to go out to eat with a whole group there. And I found out she had a flat tire, you mm. know. So I went out and changed her tire. You know, I just put the new tire, did all that You're on. such a saint. You know, and... And then so I'm, I'm running a little late, and I get to the restaurant where everybody is, and, and I just explain what I did. And someone said, I wouldn't change a tire for that so-and-so, you know, because <laughs> I knew, knew what she was like. You know, we were, they said, how did you two get married? You're like oil and water. Well, one, I was kind of backslidden. I wasn't following the Lord, and I was tired of getting all the tribulation message shoved down my throat, which was big back in the early 70s, and nothing was happening. You know, I mean, Russia's going to come down in five years and blow. We're going to blow each other up. You know, it was a, a fear factor thing, too. But in my heart, it's just like, you know, I I really felt sorry for, you know. And, you and, weren't even redeemed yet. You weren't no, even I wasn't redeemed. Re restored from being backslidden. And even she made all the payments and stuff. She didn't pay the car payment for the last three months, and I didn't know about it. On my Trans Am, I had a nice 75 Trans Am, had one year to pay on it. And it got repossessed right underneath my nose, you know. And it had already happened. So how did you forgive her? Yeah, you know, I steamed for a while. I you know. think. It, it took a while, you know. <laughs> but I realized, you know, that blowing your top off and stuff like that, it isn't going to make things matter. And, and I even remember times like almost going into depression, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, things like this happen. You know, I would purposely make myself reclusive. I mean, I wouldn't hang out with friends. I wouldn't I wouldn't go to church. I started kind of going, you know, here, there. And being reclusive, kind of see if anybody notices. It's like a, it's a form of self-pity is what it mm -hmm. was. But I realized, I could tell I was starting to go down into a pit, you know, mm. a pit of depression. And I realized, no, I, I can't, I'm not going to do that. And I would snap myself out of that. Good for you. You know, and, and as an unbeliever, I thought that's pretty good, you know, be able to do that. But but I, I did, I just felt sorry that this happened and I wasn't, you know. You gonna, felt sorry for her. I felt sorry for her. And that was the grace that you walked in to be able to walk in forgiveness. Yeah. Uh -huh. Is that what you were thinking? What were you thinking? I wasn't thinking about forgiveness back then. But it, when you came back to Jesus, it's like it was already dealt with? Yeah, at least so, yeah. Uh huh. Because God just gave you the grace to feel sorry for her. Yeah, and I I think I probably said, okay, Lord, if there's anything that I missed, I just uh -huh. let it go. You know, I yeah. I did that, but but I I didn't hold it against her because it was another three years before I got saved. You know, yeah. and I wasn't gonna carry that in my heart. And yeah, yeah, you talk to people, friends, and you know, and stuff when something happens, I'll never forgive them and all that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I would think, oh wow, so I just chose to not let it eat me up. Wow. Yeah. That's and then amazing. forgiveness was complete when I realized the blood of Jesus that he forgave me. Yes. 
and you weren't going to hold things against anybody else. Right. Hallelujah. There was a girl in high school that I was going out with, and I heard her. All of a sudden, there was this thing in me that just blocked. I, I could not see her anymore. I knew, just like I knew this was wrong. And that was God. You know, God will sometimes do that. All of a sudden, just turns off because that would take you down a path he doesn't want you to go. And the same thing happened to my brother. You know, and he's a little, he was a year older. Him and his girlfriend, one day they got together. The Lord had spoken to them both that night before, break off your relationship. They were believers. And it was a painful thing, but they broke it off because God had another plan for both of them. But there was this girl that I hurt. I know I hurt her. And that was back in 1972. And, you know, later on, for years later, you know, that just bothered me because I really hurt her. And so I got out there on the, what's the high school thing for um, classmates.com. Classmates .com. And she'd been out there before, and I left a message. I don't know if she ever got it or not. But I just asked her, you know, for forgiveness for hurting her. That carried with me for like 40 years, something like like 40 years. You know, it was just breaking off a relationship, but I didn't do it the right way. And it was just a minute, why would God put that on my heart to do that, you know, like 40 years later? This was something I know, sure, it frees me, but it's this is something that will help her possibly feeling forgiveness. Maybe God will use that somehow. Yes. So, you know, sometimes the Spirit of the Lord works in unusual ways. Certainly you does. Know, whether your forgiveness is big or it's small. Mm-hmm. You want to make things right. What did Peter, was Peter, wasn't it, said to Jesus, how many times? How, how often shall I forgive my brother? Oh, you have it there. Good. I have it. Yeah, oh. I just turned to it. It's uh, at Matthew 18. Peter says to Jesus, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? It's like, let's, let's just draw a line. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll put up with this seven times and then, and then I'm done. Yeah. And Jesus said, ah, uh, uh, not seven times. But 70 times, times seven. seven. Yeah. So if, if that's within a 24-hour period, that would be like every three minutes. <laughs> if you're not sleeping. <laughs> and then, then he goes on to tell a parable about a king that he wanted to check up what was going on with all of his servants. And he brought them to him, and one of them owed him 10,000 talents. What, what does it say in the Passion Translation? Maybe that brings it up to date. Matthew 18, starting with verse 22. Well, verse 21. Later, Peter approached Jesus and said, How many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? <laughs> seven times? Jesus answered, Not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. Mm. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him $1 billion. So he summoned the servant before him and said to him, Pay me what you owe me. When his servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave, along with his wife and children, and every possession they owned as payment toward his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I'll repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. 
He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, You better pay me right now everything that you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, Please be patient with me. If you'll just give me time, I will repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid his debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, You scoundrel! <laughs> Is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy on your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all of his debt was repaid. In this same way, my heavenly Father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart toward your fellow believer. That's it. It's a from-your-heart thing. Sometimes we know that we should forgive, and we say that we forgive. We declare that we forgive, but it's not necessarily from the heart. And it's the from the heart part that is examined at God's throne, because he's the only one that knows our hearts. But we know at least a little sometimes. We can tell our conscience, the Holy Spirit inside of us will say, you're not really forgiving. You're just saying you're forgiving. I forgive. Oh, I have a story. Um, a friend of mine was telling how she had had a fight with her husband. And they had a big fight, and she was really, really angry, and she stomped off into the bedroom and, and left her husband in, in the living room. And He went into his man cave, right? <laughs> uh, probably. And she's talking to the Lord about how wrong he was, and, and the Lord said, you need to forgive him. She said, but look what he said to me. And the Lord said, you have to forgive him. Because she needed some forgiveness about something, too. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, forgive me for blowing up. Maybe that's what she said. I don't know. He said, you have to forgive your husband. And so she stomps back out into the living room, and she she says, I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) And he turned, and he laughed, and he said, well, I forgive you too. (laughs) (laughs) And then she went back into the bedroom, and she's talking to the Lord. She says, there, I forgave him. And the (laughs) Lord said, in the same measure that you've forgiven him, I forgive you. Oh, Well, that caused her to really stop and think. Yeah. I need a little more forgiveness than that. (laughs) Because she knew how much she had forgiven. She knew it was was more a mouth thing rather than a heart thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what God's saying. But, you know, sometimes the things that have been done to us are so, so bad, so horrific, so painful. I think maybe we we need to talk about this again on next week's podcast— and really go into some more details about how to forgive and the grace of God that comes to forgive. But in the meantime, let us just pray for you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know, Jesus, that you said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Lord, I ask that you would cause the listeners to welcome that level of forgiveness into their lives. Jesus, if they've made you Lord, you already live inside of them, and you are that forgiver. So we ask you, Lord, to just bubble up inside of them with that grace to forgive, to enable them to let go and release the people that hurt them. 
Father, we ask for, for that grace, even as Philip experienced, that even though someone had absolutely trounced on his heart, that you gave him the grace, even as an unbeliever, to let it go and to feel sorry for her. Lord, I ask that you would pour that grace on our listeners today, that they would be able to let go and forgive. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence.